Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Hallelujah. Welcome once again. Uh, restrictions are easing, but it still doesn't allow us all the, the uh, freedoms that we want. Uh, so we're still going to keep doing this, and in fact, we'll keep doing this because we know some of you are. This is your church service. And uh, <laughs> somebody once uh, just recently said, I, I got dressed in my clothes. I told my wife, I'm going to church, and I went downstairs and turned the TV on. <laughs> and I think people are getting to like this a little too much. Anyway, <laughs> you know, watch it online, give online, we're there, you know. <laughs> Forget the traveling. Anyway, I won't encourage you, I already did. Anyway, all right, <laughs> First John chapter 4, we're going to continue on in verse 15. I really don't want to do any um, reviews because... Uh, there is just so much in the verses. Remember, we are, we are talking about the assurances that the Apostle John is giving us that we need to be, what was it? God's answer to man's need to see him. Amen? And so we need that. We, we, there are certain things in our life that we need. These three verses, verses 13, 14, and 15, are giving that to us. And remember the first thing that, oh, I said I wouldn't do a review. Uh, okay, I won't do a review. We, <laughs> we looked at the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Verse 13. Verse 14. This is really short, okay? Verse 14, we, we had the assurance that God, in fact, I can read it here. It says, and we have seen and testified that the Father, God the Father, has sent the Son as Savior of the world. So he said, listen, I'm, I'm telling you as a fact that Jesus, actually that verse has so many things in it. In that, you know, just when, when you read it, you begin to understand that he lets us know that he can testify to the fact, first of all, that it was God's idea to do this, that it was the son's, you know, that the son agreed to it, obviously, and that what he did, what the son did, and what the father sent the son to do was to save the whole world. That was a lot in there, okay? And now we've come to verse 15. And he says, whosoever, it's really interesting. He says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Now, this is very similar to, similar to verse 13. And you kind of think, well, why did we put it back in there? Because he said again here that by this we know. Remember verse 13 said, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, that dual abiding, okay, because he has given us a spirit. And then he goes on to say in this verse now, he brings it back up about that dual abiding when he says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God's abide, God abides in him and he in God. Uh, the difference here is there is a difference. The difference is, first of all, the Apostle John says, because I told you once again that, it, you know, he, he mentions the Spirit to begin with because it made such an impact on his life. You know, when you have an uh, upper room experience like he did, you know, tongues of fire, all sorts of things happening. You know, there's the, the furniture in the room is moving when everything outside is still. You know, remember the rushing mighty wind and everything else? You know that makes an impact. And you know that when God came on him and in him, something changed in his life. We know the new birth is a, it, it just, it has an incredible effect on people's life. Some you can see, some you can't. You know, there are some people that, you know, outwardly show the new birth, and other people you just don't know, you know, <laughs> okay? They're, they're very quiet. Doesn't mean nothing happened, because it, the Bible guarantees us that when you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, okay? A new creation happens on the inside of you. Amen? We've talked about all that, so I want to get back to this now. And so, 
you know, that was a, that was a big thing in his life. But then he goes on and he'll talk, he, he then goes to, he moves on to the fact that, listen, I, I'm telling you firsthand that God did send his son, that his son did come, that he did save the whole world. Then he, the, now the reason why he goes back to this, you know, the, the, the abiding, the dual abiding is because he's saying, listen, just in case you missed it the first time, and just in case there are people that have backslidden, and just in case you're listening to this and going, how do I get in? Are you all with me? He's saying, this is how you get in. And he says here again, and I, I want to look at this in a bit of detail now, where he says again, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, he says, that's how you get it, through your confession. Now, what I want to uh, uh, do is, is make sure that we understand what this confession is, and we understand where this confession is coming from. This isn't one of those things that, you know, people used to coerce people in, in the old days. I'll call them the old days, okay, when I was younger. Okay, <laughs> in the old days. And, you know, they were under the impression that if you could just get these words out of that person's mouth, they'll be saved. Because that's what they saw. Because it says, in, I've got it here in Romans 10.9, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... That was all that was important to them. They didn't kind of go to the next part that says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Verse 10 says, for it is with the heart man believes unto righteousness. That's, there it is. And you know, they missed it. They just went with the confession. I just still remember somebody trying to get that out of me on, you know, when I was at uni. Okay. <laughs> they come up to me and said, you know, have you made Jesus Lord? And I said, yes. And said, so how do you know? Slap you is how I know. No. <laughs> okay. You know, that is insulting. And I, I didn't realize till later that they were just trying to get me to confess the Lord Jesus. You know, they needed me to say something so that they'll be happy. So that they can put a little notch on their belt and say, I got another one saved. Doesn't matter, he was already saved. I got him to say them words. And, <laughs> okay, it isn't about the words. It's about where they are coming from. That's why the Apostle Paul says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and, he says, shall believe in your heart. This is all about what you believe in your heart. These are not empty words. This is the reason why the people that got saved, that got saved the right way, were the ones that really believed in the Lord Jesus. Amen? They didn't just mouth out some words and then they said, well, nothing happened. Well, that's because your heart wasn't in it, <laughs> okay? You, you know, do you all know that faith is in the heart? I'm going to show you this in a minute, okay? And that you can't get saved without your heart getting engaged. You need your heart to do what needs, you know, uh, you need your heart to release the faith that is necessary to get you saved. Okay, we all got that? And we'll see that in a minute in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there next. The Apostle Paul is writing this as well. Remember, it's the same person that wrote Romans. Okay, writes in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, for grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace, I don't want to focus on grace today, but it says you are saved through faith. It's by grace, but through faith. You have to have faith. Otherwise, you've never got saved. So anybody that just mouthed out words, you know, yes, Jesus is the Son of God, blah, blah, blah. Because some people say, well, some people say Jesus is the Son of God. You know, people that are very legalistic will go, oh, see, they said Jesus is the Son of God. No, that wasn't the context. They're about to criticize it. 
<laughs> okay? They didn't get saved, all right? I, I really, I, the reason I'm going to bring this out is the way that you get in is the way that you stay in is the way that you prosper in the kingdom of God, family. I want you to get this. If you are saved through faith, then you are to live your entire life by faith, which is why it says that the just shall live by faith. It didn't say the just get saved by faith and they live whatever they, way they want. You know, you can just go on and do your thing, <laughs> okay? That God will just want And then, see, this is where the problem starts. They say, well, how come God isn't doing all the things he did when I first got saved? Because you had your heart in it when you got saved. Now you don't. Somebody convinced you along the way that, you know, everything else you got to work for. If we were to read the next verse in Ephesians chapter 2, I, I actually don't have it in my notes, but if we were to go to the next verse, verse 9, if we went to Ephesians 2 and 9, it tells us something not of works. Is that what it says? Lest anyone should boast. But isn't it sad that once we get in, we start to work? And we are to work not because... We are trying to get something from God. We are to work because we got everything from God. <laughs> Amen? And the more you do, the more faithful you are, then God will make you ruler over much. That's the road to much. Okay? You got everything you need when you got saved, but then there is much after that. <laughs> okay? There is ruling. There is reigning. There is, okay, all of that side of things. If you show yourself faithful, if you show yourself responsible... If you learn and you grow, then God will make you ruler over much. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, that, that's a different thing. But you need to understand that that's something else. That isn't about you trying to get more. That's about you saying, God, I'll do my very best with what I have. And something happens, family. Whenever you give your best to God, something incredible begins to happen. There is an excellence that comes on you. There is something called the anointing that comes on you and things that you do that may be outstanding in the world and everybody says is outstanding now gets a quality on it that's now God. And then you could have two outstanding people standing next to each other and one's a king and one's not. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, you know, you know, <laughs> I won't go there, but there are people out there that have excelled while everybody else has good voices. They have excelled because they have had an anointing on their life. That's a God quality. That's something that reaches people on a level that they don't even understand. And they will pay money to come and hear that. Amen. It's not just about a good voice. It's about that God quality that begins to flow out. Jesus is going to bring this out as well. In fact, let's, let's just go there. I need to read you some quotes. Wait a second. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself. And so as Colin G. Cruz writes, what the author affirms in verse 15 is that those who do acknowledge Jesus is the Son of God from their heart are those in whom God lives and who live in God. I really love that. Okay? In whom God lives and who live in God. You know, we have this dual abiding. It is an incredible thing. I think the more... Um, aware we become of it, I think more will begin to happen. It's an awareness. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And can I say revelation knowledge? I don't think it's just knowledge. I think it's revelation knowledge. If they don't know it in their heart, they can know it in their head, but if they don't know it in their heart, it won't work for them. Amen? All right, so this is the Minister of Reconciliation. 
that God has given us. To let people know that not only is God not holding anything against anyone any longer, and this is really key, all right, but that he actually wants to live in them and have them live in him. So what I want to bring out now is the fact that, see, God isn't just reconciling the world, just getting them saved. He, this goes a lot further than getting saved. This goes a lot further than you being a new creation. This goes into the place or goes to the place where God wants to live in you and he wants you to live in him. I think that is extraordinary, family. I think that is incredible. And I think if people were, were presented salvation in that way, a lot more people want to get saved. How many people want God living in them? Oh, I know some of their lifestyles, but still, okay? And you, and you get to live in God as well. I think that is incredible. Amen. I, that would excite me. I would, you know, I would be excited myself. Okay, so <laughs> in his commentary, not everybody's excited. William MacDonald writes, The blessing of being indwelt by God himself is the privilege of all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Here again, it is not the confession of merely intellectual assent, really love this, but a confession that involves the commitment of one, uh, one's person. And what, what he means by that is your talent, your time, all of those things, okay, your whole self, all right, to the Lord Jesus Christ. No closer relationship is possible than for a person to abide in God and to have God abiding in him. This is, a, this is a relationship that is so close that the person actually lives in you and you live in them. This, are you all getting this? Amen. And we need to get a revelation of this. We need to get a revelation that we actually do live in God. You know, it can't become some of the, one of those things that we go, oh, yeah, yeah, we know. No, you don't know. When you're in trouble, you need to know you're in God, which means that when you're in trouble, he's in trouble. <laughs> you know? That's why you, and you are able to say, God, we're in trouble. Okay, if it's happening, because Jesus said, if you've done it to the least one of these, you've done it to me. Well, I'm, I know it ain't the least, but even if I was, guess what? They did it to you. Do something about it, <laughs> okay? And, you, you know, this is a lot of times where we can, if everything, you know, if you're in the place where you have nothing left in you, at least know that. It is a place that faith can come from. At your worst point in life, at your worst point in your faith, just know if they did it to him, if they did it to you, they did it to him. If they did it to him, they did it to you. It's a dual thing. Amen? And you can expect God then to work on your behalf because you understand that. Because you understand that he won't let it go. If you acknowledge it and you allow him to be Lord. Amen? Amen. Sadly, a lot of people take that on themselves and then they go to the, Oh God, why don't you care for me? It's like, hey man, it's happening to me like it's happening to you. Stop whining. Let me do something. <laughs> by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay, Proverbs 18, 21. That's the reason why. Okay, and in this kind of relationship, whatever you give to God, I've said this, will not only be blessed, but also have a divine quality to it, an excellent, uh, excellence that is extraordinary, I said called anointing, okay, that will cause you to go well beyond all your natural expectations. And can I add abilities as well? I know people that have sort of come to, you know, church and started playing and doing things. And they said, we can do stuff here that we can't do. In fact, this person that said it to me, okay, <laughs> okay, they, they used to go to another church in the evening, you know, once a month or whatever. And, and you know, they, they would say to me, we can't do the same thing there that we do here. 
We can do stuff here because there's an anointing. We can't do stuff there. I don't want to say the rest. Okay, so <laughs> you all know where that's going, right? All right, let's move on. We see an example of this, and I want you to see this in the, the terms in which I've shared this. In John chapter 14, John chapter 14, I want to read verses 10 through 12. I really didn't, I've never seen it in this light, okay? Where Jesus says, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? Okay, he's talking about the dual existence, all right? Me and him, him and him, all right? The words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. So he talks about words and works, all right? And he's saying, and watch what he's doing. He's saying, listen, this is the secret to my power. It's who lives in me is what makes me different. Are you getting this? Notice, watch again. He says, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? Okay, he says, don't you believe this? He says, listen, the way you can believe this is by the words. He says, the words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. He switched from words to works very interestingly, which means everything he says, he backs up with power. <laughs> okay? If he says, I want to heal you, you get healed. Amen. Verse 11. He says, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, he says, if you can't believe that, he says, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Are you getting something here? He's saying, listen, because I have committed myself to the Father, because he lives in me, then all the stuff I'm doing is coming from him. Amen. This is, this is incredible, this statement. Do you understand why the Apostle John is saying, do you get it? You live in him, he lives in you. This is the power that's available. Jesus did everything that he did because of this one fact. Because he lived in God and God lived in him. Are you getting this? Okay, please get this. All right. Verse 12. Now, listen. What about us? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, listen, he has just revealed the secret to his power. And he's saying, if you believe this, if you believe in me, if you believe in what I'm saying to you, do you understand when he says, if you believe in me, he's asked, he's, the question is twofold. He's saying, do you believe in what I say? And do you believe in me, in what I'm doing, the person that I am, that I live in God and God lives in me? Do you, do you believe all of that? That the words that I'm speaking to you, that are, coming, that are, are literally coming from the Father? Do you understand? It's a really deep thing that he says, do you believe in me? If you believe in him, then you not only believe what he's saying, but you believe in everything that he is as well. Okay? All right. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. Do you see what the, where all this is attached to? <laughs> you know? This, this whole... Doing greater works is attached to the fact that we live in God and God lives in us. This whole thing was attached to the fact that in him, living in God and God living in him under the old covenant, because he hasn't died yet. He was able to do incredible things. And when he goes to the Father, that old covenant will come to an end and you'll be able to do even more. Is what he's saying. But you need to know this. <laughs> he's saying you need to know that you live in God. Because there's something extraordinary about you putting your faith in that. Okay. Now I took you another step. All right. Not just knowing it, but actually putting your faith in that fact. 
Hallelujah. Get it? All right. So now we I've said here, now we understand the primary reason for the, great, uh, for the greater miracles would be because of God dwelling in us and why the Apostle John is once again bringing this incredible truth to light, this time in relation to our confession of Jesus Christ being the Son of God. In his commentary, Simon J. Kistemarker points out that we, when we look at this phrase from a biblical point of view, we soon realize that John causes us to look at theological truth. The word Jesus embodies the entire history of Jesus from his birth to his ascension and even to him being seated at the right hand of, of God. Okay, so that's what the word Jesus uh, encapsulates. Okay, it encompasses all of that. All right, okay. The term son of God has its roots in the Old Testament prophecies that were uh, fulfilled when Jesus came. The confession Jesus is the son of God gives voice to his humanity and divinity. Now, we looked at all that before, so I'm not going into that. Okay? All right. <laughs> okay? And it excludes everyone. Listen, it excludes everyone who denies that Jesus is the Son of God as one who has no fellowship with God. Now, remember again, and we're bringing this to a close. Okay? Remember again that the Apostle John had already brought this out, or this fact out in John chapter, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 23. He said, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So this is a key thing. Those people that deny the Son don't have the Father. In other words, people say there are different parts to God is not true. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way in. In fact, the reason he's the only way in, because he's already in God, he is God. That's why the Apostle John started with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? And then he said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? And now he's telling us that the reason <laughs> that he can do everything is because the Father is actually in him. They are one in that sense. Amen? And then he turns to all of us and says, you're going to be able to do even greater works if you get this revelation. I know I changed the verse, <laughs> okay? I'm, I'm trying to get something across to you here. Because all of this means nothing. If you just read this verse, if you just read the verse that says, you know, whoever confesses that, you know, Jesus is the Son of God, that, that they're going to have God abiding in him and him in God and all that stuff, and you go, yeah, 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 whatever, you, you're not going to get it. Nothing will happen. Things will remain the same. But if you get a revelation of this, and can I just say this as well? I, I love this. Get this revelation. If you ever doubt, if you ever doubt, hang on one second. If you ever doubt the fact that you are saved, here it is. The Apostle John is letting you know there's one quick way back in. Here's the confession. Amen? And he guarantees you. This is the word of God. This is the word of God guaranteeing you. He guarantees you that if you confess this, then God will live in you and you will live in God and that, that, that part of your life will begin immediately or from that point on, okay? Uh, if it's a, even if, it's a, if you backslide it and you're not sure, do this, we're done. Don't whine. Amen. <laughs> okay? That just uses up, you know, good oxygen, man. Just don't. Uh, wasting your time. In fact, in John chapter 3, uh, John, the Gospel of John chapter 3 and verse 18, Jesus went as far as to say, he who believes in him. That, remember he's talking to Nicodemus. 
He's talking about himself, you know, he's not in the first person, okay? Uh, is it the second, third person? Whatever. Uh, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember? It's in that voice that he goes on to say in verse 18, he who believes in him, so he's talking about himself now, okay? Him is Jesus, all right? He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. This is John 3, 18. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so he lets us know that if you believe, you're in. If you don't, you're out. And you're out really badly. <laughs> okay? Because he doesn't say you're just not blessed. He said you're condemned. Do you know why? Because anybody that rejects Jesus Christ is going to hell. In fact, you're already on your way there. Which is why he says he's already condemned. Because that's the way you start out. You know, there comes a point in time in your life when you have to make a decision somewhere. Okay? Babies don't go to hell. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay? But somewhere you're not a baby anymore. <laughs> okay? Somewhere you make a decision and you need to... And at that point in time, if you have been brought up right, you'll make the right decision. And so there won't be any bump in the road. <laughs> okay? You're just going from... You know, go from... You're already going to heaven to... You keep going to heaven. Uh, you all get that? It's terrible English, but you know what I'm trying to say. Okay? As opposed to those that were going to heaven, which is why it's so sad to suddenly not going. Because the sin of Adam then comes on them. And you fall in the category of Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? And you know what that sin is? Because people go, well, I didn't do anything bad. Well, you've just lied, so there's one. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll guarantee you did something at one point in your life. No, the sin is this, that you didn't receive Jesus. When you, when you realized, when you came to you know, the, the place where you need to make a decision, you decided against him instead of for him. All have sinned in that way. That's the only sin that sends people to hell. Do you all know that? People think, well, it's drinking and smoking and running around. No, no, <laughs> okay? Don't do that stuff, all right? But <laughs> it's, that doesn't send you to hell. The one thing that sends you to hell is rejection of Jesus Christ. So now you can see why the Apostle John is saying, listen man, you need to do one thing. If you're unsure about any of this, do one thing. That's why he says again, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, that's it. He says all you have to do is confess Jesus is the Son of God. Remember again, it needs to be from your heart. And you can have this. Now, to conclude, in his commentary, last one, I. Howard Marshall says that it is only if a person confesses that Jesus is the Son of God that he is joined to God in fellowship. So he's bringing something else out here now, which I think was, I thought was really important. He says it's only when you confess this, that Jesus is the Son of God, that you are joined in fellowship with God. Do you understand fellowship? means that there is a communication between the two of you. God talks to you, you talk to God. You know, people say, oh, does God talk to you? And they look at you weird. You just say, why isn't he talking to you? Because this tells us that it should be. And if he ain't talking to you, then somebody else is. And it ain't him. And now we're worried about you. Okay, <laughs> all right. So as much as you worry about people that, you know, say God talks to me, we worry about the ones that say they don't. Okay, that he doesn't talk to them. So, which then begs the question, who are you listening to? Who's leading and guiding your life? 
That, that's what the problem is. Okay, so in other words, the possibility of spiritual fellowship with God depends on the historical fact of the incarnation. Now that's according to John 1.14, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as the only begotten son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, yada, yada, yada. Okay, we must confess, sorry, <laughs> okay? Well, we must confess that the Father sent the Son and that the Son is Jesus. So that's the, th that is what gets us into fellowship with God. We must confess that, I like this, that he says, the Father sent the Son. Remember what that verse was in? Okay, the previous verse, all right? And now that the Son is Jesus, that he is the Savior. It's not some Son out there, because there are some, you know, uh, I don't even know what to call them. Some religions that base their belief on the Bible that believe that God had more than one Son. That's why this is brought out, that that son is Jesus. There's no other. Amen? And for all who do, and we'll conclude with this, John says, with all certainty, he says, whoever confesses, and I'm going to add from the heart, okay, that Jesus is the son of God, then God abides in him. Know that God abides in you. And what? You abide in God. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, for this insight, for this revelation.